We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I want to talk about the devastating consequences of abandoning truth. Truth is the linchpin of any culture. When you pull the linchpin from the end of the axle, the wheel will come off. And that's exactly what you see in our cultural debate and the culture wars that are taking place during this political season. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thanks for listening into the show. Today's topic is truth, something that I've talked about over and over again. And I'm going to use the subtitle to my book, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. I'm going to use that subtitle to that national bestseller as the context and the pretext for today's show. What happens to a culture, to a community, to a town, to a village? What happens to any organization, any church, any family when they abandon truth as the linchpin that holds the wheel on the axle? So we're going to talk about linchpins. I'm going to talk about the the game, Jenga. You know that game that has several wooden blocks where you build a tower, but when you pull those blocks out piece by piece, sooner or later, the block of truth that you pull out of that tower causes the whole thing to collapse. That's the point of the game. At what time does removing a block result in the entire structure falling down and collapsing? At what point does a block matter? At what point is it the key to the entire game? At what point is that single block of wood the linchpin that results in everything else falling apart? That's the key question. That's the premise of today's show. The devastating consequences of abandoning truth. Why does truth matter? And why is the abandonment of that truth, the pulling of that linchpin, the removal of that key block in the tower, why is all of this so critical to the current political debate as we enter into this midterm election on November 8th. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. Truth, does it matter? And what's going on? What in the world is going on in our culture right now? I've used examples, local examples, heartland examples, small conservative community examples. I've harped repeatedly on this situation in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, where the university that I ran for some 17 years exists, a conservative community, a community that celebrated in 2002 when I was hired as president, and when I waved the banner of the truth of Scripture and the truth of Christ, when I waved that banner and said, truth is an objective reality. It's revealed by God. It's not made up by us. In the academy, in the ivory tower, in politics, in the corporate setting, or anyplace else, we don't make up truth. We don't construct it. 
truth is revealed. It's objective. It's out there. We pursue it. We find it. We embrace it. We try to understand more of it. We teach it. That's the goal of the university. That's the goal of the classical liberal arts, is to liberate men and women through the acquisition, the pursuit of truth. And I challenged the community here in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and I said, the ivory tower is crumbling. Let's equate the ivory tower to the game of Jenga. We've constructed this tall tower over the course of human, over the course of history, over the course of human civilization, Western civilization. We've constructed this beautiful ivory tower of the academy, of the colleges and universities, of, of higher education, of the pinnacle of human achievement and learning, rationality, the pursuit of truth. We've emblazoned the words of Christ across many a library header from Europe to the United States, colleges and universities across the Western world. We've emblazoned the words of Jesus Christ himself when he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. When I came to Bartlesville, Oklahoma, some 20 years ago in 2002 to take over the university, Oklahoma Wesleyan University, I waved that banner and I said, we need to return to the pursuit of truth as the goal, the reason, the purpose of education in the first place. And the community of Bartlesville celebrated. I remember when I said this in a rotary meeting, a rotary meeting, not a tent revival, not a church, but a rotary meeting here in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. I was interrupted while I was saying things very similar to what I just said in the last minute of my preaching to you on this show. I said something very similar in Rotary, and I was interrupted by men in the back of the room who shouted, Amen, it's about time. But yet the same community, just a couple decades later, is now having a drag queen party in a public park, and it's being defended. It's being celebrated by people who should know better, by GOP leaders, by corporate leaders, by pastors, ministers in the community. They're celebrating this drag queen performance in a public park where children as young as six years old, seven years old, eight years of age are being taught to give dollar bills to adult men who are performing sexually in front of them. We're grooming these children by teaching them to give dollar bills to sexual performers in a public park. And we won't enforce, enforce our own ordinances, our own laws. We have laws on the books. We have for decades in this community against lewd and lasciviousness and purient behavior. But yet, we won't do anything about this performance. I've said it before. I'm going to say it one more time. I want you to keep this image in your mind. Adult men dressed up in knee-high leather boots, fishnet stockings, leotards, sequins, exaggerated wigs and makeup, culturally appropriating something that's not their own, acting like they're women when they're not, black-facing women mocking them, putting on exaggerated makeup and costume to pretend to be something they're not. The same thing that whites did to blacks when they black-faced African-Americans, mocked them, maligned them, exaggerated their appearance with makeup and costume, 
And now people that did that rightfully are being condemned for blackfacing African Americans, but now the same political branch of our cultural debate in the culture wars right now is out there celebrating the exact same thing with regard to women. We're insulting women. We're suggesting that they're not real, that they're make-believe, that they're a fabrication, that they're a construct, that a female is not a fact, that women aren't true. There's no truth when it comes to the definition of what a woman is. Now, why do I continue to make such a big deal about this issue? Because I would argue that it is that one block in the Jenga Tower, that when you remove it, the whole thing collapses. If you can't get this issue right, if you don't know that grooming six-year-old boys and girls to the point where you've anesthetized their conscience by giving them dollar bills to hand to male adult sexual performers in a public park. If you can't tell me that's wrong, then something, something has collapsed in your heart, mind, and soul. You're not thinking rightly any longer. You've abandoned truth with a capital T, and you no longer even acknowledge that it exists. Like Pilate, who stood before Jesus Christ, said, what's the truth? What's the truth? He smirked and he walked away. That's what we're doing as a culture right now. We're essentially acting like Pilate, And we're crucifying the very truth that's before our very eyes. We're shrugging our shoulders in a nonchalant fashion and just saying, ah, what's the truth? And we're sacrificing our own children on this altar of post-modernity. This is the linchpin. And I'm arguing right now, as I've argued many times, that if we can't get this human identity issue right, that if we pull that linchpin, of how we define the human being, out of the axle, the wheel of civilization will come off and the wagon collapses. The linchpin is truth. The linchpin is the definition of the human being. The linchpin is the recognition of reality as opposed to the subjective constructs and emotional existential, existential claims Excuse me, of our time. That all that matters is our feelings and the facts be damned. That's what's going on right now. And the irony of those who say, well, there is no truth. And those that are preaching, you know, truth with a capital T, like Piper and others, they're being intolerant. They're being exclusive. They're not being caring to the others in our community. But then those same people that are making those claims of tolerance and inclusion and being caring and loving, are the same ones that turn around and they're excluding anybody with a conservative argument or conservative voice from the public square. They're trying to cancel us from the debate. For example, here in Bartlesville, the candidate who's running for city council, who is the champion of LGBTQIA tolerance and inclusion, is the same guy who's calling for me to be canceled from the public square. He actually led a petition to have my commentary removed from the local newspaper. Well, that's really inclusive and tolerant, isn't it? That's really open-minded, isn't it? That's really coming together and not separating the community. That's being very multicultural and very multifaceted and very cosmopolitan, except when 
there's a conservative out there that disagrees with you. That At that point, we're just going to sign a petition, start a petition, lead a petition to cancel those voices from the public square. This is the duplicity, the hypocrisy, and the blatant arrogance of the progressive mind. And that's why I continue to stand against this stuff. The, this, the sexual nonsense of men dressing up like women and performing in a park and teaching children to give them dollar bills for that sexual performance, it's, that's really a symptom of the disease. As, as disturbing as these images are, and as disturbing as it is that we've got GOP leaders in this conservative community actually endorsing this stuff by endorsing the man who's running for city council who's openly celebrating all of this crap, as disturbing as all of that is, I would argue that all of this is just a symptom of the disease. It's a symptom of the disease of deception. Uh, the lies that are pervasive in this agenda. When you lie to yourself so long that you start believing your own lies, you can no longer make any decisions, right or wrong, for the good of the community based on truth. Everything you do is going to be emotionally driven from this point forward because you pulled the block out of the tower. The tower collapsed. You pulled the linchpin from the axle and the wheel came off the wagon. And as a result of that, everything that you do from this point forward is going to be suspect. It's going to be compromised. It's, it's going to be what the Apostle Paul warned us of in his letter to the Romans, the Roman church in the early first century. The Apostle Paul said, when you start worshiping the created, the construct, the fabrication, when you start worshiping the created rather than the creator, when you start worshiping your feelings rather than the facts, the existence of God, when you start ignoring that reality of God and you start constructing everything around you, your little idols that you're going to worship because you feel good about them, you're given over to a reprobate mind. You can't think clearly any longer, and everything thereafter is going to be poisoned by that particular ideology and that worldview. You can't drop a little bit of poison in a glass of water and then think that you can somehow avoid that poison while you consume that water. And that's what we've done in our culture right now, and that's why I stand vehemently against any candidate, Republican or otherwise, who has imbibed the Kool-Aid, bought the lie of subjective identity claims. It's not about sex. It's about lying about who we are as people. It's about lying about your supposed higher values of tolerance and inclusion. It's about the self-refuting duplicity of your worldview that causes you to claim the high ground of inclusion while you exclude anybody who disagrees with you and you try to cancel them from even having a place in the debate. That's what's going on right now. And the fact that our Republican leaders in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, can't get this right is stunning. It's absolutely stunning that those who represented this community as conservative legislators are now endorsing a local candidate for city, city council who can't tell you that a woman is real, that a female is a fact. They're actually endorsing a radical misogynist who believes that it's appropriate to insult women in a public park. They're endorsing a person who thinks it's appropriate to groom young children into this radical deception, this lie, to, to drink this Kool-Aid of exclusion and intolerance 
This self-refuting duplicity of claiming that your feelings trump the facts and that that's who we are going to be as a community, as a town, as a village, that we're going to all come together by excluding everyone who disagrees with us. It's stunning that the leaders of this community have gone this far down this path. It's absolutely incredible that they don't recognize that the tower is teetering. It's it's unstable. It's ready to collapse, but yet they continue to pull that last block of truth out of the Jenga game, not recognizing this thing is going to fall apart immediately. In fact, it already is. It's inevitable. You've played this game before. You, you know that as the person continues to pull that block slowly away, that they're going to lose because there's no stability left. The foundation has been broken. And again, back to the analogy of the linchpin. You know, the linchpin is that thing at the end of the axle. There's a hole through the end of the axle, and you put this pin through it. It holds the wheel on. You pull the pin out, and the wheel is going to come off. What happens when the wheel comes off? The car, the wagon, the trailer, the wheelbarrow, whatever it is, is now dysfunctional. It, it collapses. There's an accident. There's a crash. So why do I harp on this issue so much? It's the issue of truth. It's not the issue of sex. It's, the not, it's, it's not the issue of LGBTQIA per se. It doesn't matter. It could be heterosexual. It could be homosexual. It, it, it could be any lie or deception. It, it goes back to what Bill Clinton said during the Monica Lewinsky scandal. It wasn't about what he was doing privately. We could have disagreed with his private moral behavior. It was about his public celebration of defying the truth. Remember when he said, well, it depends on what the definition of is is. That was his way of saying that there is no truth because I'm the one who decides I get to define the definition of is. I get to decide what's true and what's false. I get to decide if this was sexual immorality or not. I get to decide whether or not I had a sexual relationship with that woman. He lied to us. But he was saying, well, it's not a lie because it depends on what the definition of is is. It depends on what you define as a lie and what you define as truth. It's the devastating consequences of abandoning truth. It's the embracing of the postmodern worldview. I've told you before what the difference between pre-modernity and modernity and post-modernity is. And maybe that's a good way to kind of bring this show full circle. Let's go back several months when I spent several shows telling you the difference between pre-modernity, modernity, and post-modernity. We now live in post-modern times. It seems that almost everybody will acknowledge that. Some people bemoan it, and other people actually celebrate it as if post-modernity is a good thing. Well, again, if you divide all of human history into three basic categories, and I know historians out there listening to me right now are starting to cringe because they're saying that's too simplistic. Okay, fine, we can have that discussion later on. But for the sake of argument, let's just divide all of human history, all of recorded history, all of human existence into three simple categories, pre-modern, modern, and post-modern. Pre-modern was a belief in the supernatural. 
In pre-modern times, Moses and whatnot, we believe that truth was a revelation from outside ourselves. The Ten Commandments were given by God, not made up by Moses. And therefore, in pre-modern times, there was a supernatural revelation of God to man. Whether you were uh, Jews or whether you were pagans, you believed that truth came from outside and it was revealed to the human being by the gods or a god. There was this understanding that we don't get to make it up as we go, that there are laws that are given to us and we need to abide by those laws. Those were pre-modern times. Truth was supernaturally revealed. Now, you enter into modern times, and it's no longer supernatural. It's now simply natural. So where pre-modern was supernatural revelation of truth, modern times, modernity said, no, there is nothing out there that's supernatural. Everything is simply natural. If you can't taste it, touch it, feel it, and see it, then it just isn't so. Truth can only be understood within the empirical understanding, the scientific testing, the sensation of tasting it, touching it, seeing it, feeling it. That's what's true, and nothing else is. So pre-modern was supernatural, and modern became simply natural. Pre-modernity, truth is revealed through the supernatural from outside of us unto the mind. It's out there. God gives it to us. The laws of nature and nature's God, common sense, self-evident truths that are endowed to us by our Creator. That is pre-modernity. Modernity says, no, that's all just superstition. There's no truth other than the simply natural, what you can taste and touch and see. Okay, now along comes post-modernity, and it challenges modernity. It says, no, there's more to reality than what you can taste and touch and feel and see. And in that sense, post-modernity was a needed correction. Because we do know, as I've said before on this show, we do know certain things that you can't taste, touch, feel, and see. We understand that truth is bigger than just the empirical. For example, I've said before, do you know for a fact, is it true that rape is wrong? Do you know for a fact, is it true that the Holocaust was a bad thing? Do you know that it's true, absolutely, irrefutably so, that slavery, antebellum slavery, should have been reviled? Yes, you know all of these things as being factual, as being true, but you can't put them in a test tube. You can't see them, taste them, touch them. You can't quantify them per se. Those are the truths that are revealed on every human heart. Those are the truths that the Apostle Paul is talking about in his epistle of the Romans to the first century church. He's saying that the truth of God is written on every human heart. We know that rape is wrong. We know that sin is real. We understand it. We just know it. It's what C.S. Lewis talks about in Mere Christianity when he says that every human being, regardless of what religion or worldview, knows that when somebody cuts in line in front of you that it's wrong, it's unfair, it's unjust, and you, you are indignant over that injustice. A child knows that when he takes his lunch to school and the bully steals it from him, the child knows that he should rise up and say, no, that's my sandwich, that's my orange, is what C.S. Lewis said. There's this understanding that it's wrong. 
Likewise, any good brother knows that if somebody rapes his sister, that it is an immoral act, and it should be stopped, and it should be prosecuted. There should be people that pay the penalty for that crime. It's not just live and let live. It's crazy talk to suggest otherwise. So pre-modern, let me repeat, was the supernatural revelation of truth. Modern diminished the supernatural to the point of scoffing at it and claiming that it was just superstition and that there was no truth at all. Nothing is true unless you can test it in a tube. Postmodernity comes along and corrects that modern view and says, well, that's too cold and calculated. That's too quantitative. We, we need to analyze truth in a qualitative way. Okay, I, I was exposed to this in my doctoral work at Michigan State University, where they told me in my dissertation that I should have both quantitative analysis and qualitative analysis. What's quantitative? Quantitative is the statistical evaluation of the problem. Quantitative, the quantity, the numerical assessment of the problem. It's the empirical analysis, statistical analysis. That's quantitative. Well, during that doctoral program, they said, well, that's too cold and calculating. Just, just conducting polls and surveys doesn't really get you to the heart and soul of the truth. Do qualitative analysis, too. And that was the push of postmodernity. So there's a positive aspect to this, but here's the problem. Whereas pre-modern was supernatural and modern was simply natural, postmodernity in its arrogance has become, has become superman, the ubermensch. I decide. There is no God but me. I will decide what the definition of is is. I will decide what's true and what's false. I will decide what a woman is and what a woman isn't. I will decide whether the innocence of children is important or whether it's not. I'll decide whether a child can make adult decisions about their own sexuality and ultimately whether to even engage in a sexual act. That is what's going on in this public debate right now. We've pulled the block out of the Jenga tower, and it's collapsing. We've removed the linchpin from the axle, and the wheel is falling off, and we've got Republican leaders in Bartlesville who don't recognize it, or even worse, maybe they do recognize it, and they don't care. Maybe they weren't as Republican as we thought they were. Maybe there was a fox in the hen house all along. Maybe we've met the enemy, and the enemy is us. Something to think about, isn't it? Something to wrestle with as you go to the voting booth on November 8th. What kind of community do you want to be, whether it be in Ohio or Oregon or here in Oklahoma? Do you want to be a community that is stable? Do you want to be a community where the tower isn't teetering? Do you want to be a community where the wheel will remain on the axle and you can move safely down the road? Are you going to remove the linchpin of truth and have the devastating consequences of everything collapsing around you? Because in your arrogance, you said, I'll decide what's true. I'll decide. And anybody else who disagrees, even God himself, needs to be canceled from the public square. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.